eyes as you are able receive these words of scripture from the gospel according to John chapter 17 beginning in verse 1. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people, eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you did. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you have gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, that I may be one as we are one, so that they may be one as we are one. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Great is thy faithfulness. What a blessing it is to hear a choir sing so beautifully. Thank you. I miss my days now of singing in the choir. <laughs> I love it. I just may take you up on that one Sunday. But I'll come first. Beloved of God, it is my honor and privilege to be here with you today. I want to thank your senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Ginger Gaines, for the invitation to be with you. And I want to thank you for supporting her in taking her much needed renewal leave. Thank you for that. You might or you may not be surprised to know don't support their pastors in taking such time. Thank you for supporting her in that way. And I am so grateful to the Reverend Dr. David Argo for his willingness to step in. He's in a relationship. He doesn't have to say yes to these kinds of things, <laughs> but he did. I am so grateful for that. Protocol has already been established, so all the names of those who serve on this auspicious staff have been named to them, to the members of Foundry United Methodist Church. She'll kill me later, but I'm gonna do it anyway. We have uh, a special guest in our midst. She's Reverend Erica Robinson Johnson. She's the Chief Administrative Officer for the Baltimore, Washington and Peninsula Delaware Conference. And please let's celebrate her. 
She's here today because her son, Evan Robinson Johnson, who is a faithful attendee here at Foundry, invite. So, so grateful for that. Beloved of God, let us pray. Gracious and holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my Redeemer, speak for your servant and your people are listening. Amen. You know what to do. You know what to do. The day had finally arrived. One more promise of Jesus is about to be fulfilled. He warned the disciples not to cling to him, not, not, not to be too drawn to his resurrected body, that he would have to ascend to his beginnings, to return to the unity of the triune God. You remember the scripture, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was upon him, and to quote a dear friend's mother, this is where we find ourselves. The disciples are about to be without their beloved friend once again, not as they had experienced when they were in the upper room, when they weren't sure what had happened to Jesus. No, this time they were going to witness his departure. But nevertheless, they were going to be without his bodily presence. Soon he would ascend. And as always happens when you've relied on someone, you've looked to someone, you, you, you've been able to lean into them, and, and they've been there for you. Once they're gone, you begin to look around and say, now what will we do? Were they going to return to their prior professions? Did they simply need to pick up their lives as they were before they had answered that? It had really only been about three years. Maybe they'd just be able to hang with the boys and the girls again. Maybe they'd be able to slide back into some of those affinity groups that they had been a part of. Maybe people might not even have missed them while they were gone. What were they going to do without Jesus in their midst? And so knowing that this is what would befall them, knowing that this would be their conundrum, Jesus, good parent or any caring mentor would do, he prayed for them. He interceded on their behalf to the one who would guide them just as Jesus. He prayed to the one who would be present with them just as Jesus had known that perpetual presence. He prayed to the one who would love them just as Jesus had experienced that love. Jesus prayed. It's good when you have somebody who'll pray for you, huh? You know the song, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad, I'm so glad they took to pray for me. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, the paraclete, Jesus, the one who sits at the right hand of God, prayed for them. That the hour has come now. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. He said, 
my mother, father, I glorified you while I have been on this earth. I have made you known. I taught your word and I drew them not to myself, but no, God, I drew them to you that they might know you. I have fulfilled the mission that you have given to me. And now as I'm about to return to you, I pray for them. And he was clear. He said, I do not ask for the sake of the world, but I intercede for their sake on their behalf because you gave them to me. Huh? They're my responsibility while I'm here, but I am no longer in the world. I am coming to you. So I turn to the only one with whom I know I can get an answer. Protect them. In your name, that they may be one as we are one. And that concluded the matter. Christ had fulfilled his mission. Connected to God, he called individuals from diverse places and professions and priorities and nurtured them to become disciples. Disciples, students of the living word word and the will of God and walked with them as an example of one who remained faithful, true, loyal to his creator, true to the purpose for which he had been sent. Christ remained true through sin, in season and out of season, in plenty and in what. He was not a fair weather follower of God. No, he remained faithful. He loved the despite themselves. You ever had anybody love you despite yourself? When you didn't live up to everything that they thought you would be? Hmm? He loved them with an everlasting love. He loved them when their feet, and he loved them when their feet led them astray and they abandoned him. He loved them when they listened. And he loved them when they refused to listen. He loved them when they understood. And he loved them when they were confused. And make no mistake, most of the time, they were confused. <laughs> Holy God, protect them in your name that you have given to me so be one as we are one. These men and women are now the guardians of the word of God. You've heard of the guardians of the galaxy, huh? No, these were the guardians of the word of God and all that set in motion. Imagine handing over your most precious thing, your magnum opus, the thing that you've dedicated your entire life to. Imagine handing it over to a ragtag band of folks who want to half of what you said and on a bad day got it all horribly wrong. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. And lest we think any greater of ourselves, that's what Jesus can Jesus places the guardianship of the word of God into our fickle hands. You say, wait a minute, Bishop, I don't remember signing up for that. Oh, yes. This pericope applies to us. 
received this responsibility at our baptisms. It was confirmed in our confirmation. And we continue to be to say that we will live in this way every time we receive the bread and the cup during Holy Communion. We have for the task. Disciples are expected to carry the message of God forward in the world. We are the heralds. We are the ambassadors, the vessels. We are the one who carry out the good news, the euangelion to the world. We always look back and think about those disciples. We are the disciples. And as we are expected to do everything that we read about in God's good word that those disciples were called to do. There's a question that my husband and I often asked our sons when they were younger as they were about We would ask them, who do you represent? And they knew the only acceptable answer was God and this family. We asked them that question because as the door closed behind them, them to remember who and whose they were. They needed to remember that whatever they did, whatever they said, however they comported themselves would reflect upon they represented. We prayed for them that the influences of their friends and the world would not cause them to abandon everything that we had invested in them. They knew what to do. And we prayed that God would give them the strength and the courage and the fortitude to live it out on the other side of that door. The question is being asked of us today, beloved. Do we have the strength, the gumption, the to live this way out there, huh? Not just in here where it's safe and we can all support each other. Out there in the world that doesn't want to hear the word of God, that doesn't want to follow the will of God, that doesn't want to be about God's good business. We know what to do. Jesus prayed for the first disciples and that prayer extends to us. As we move about in the world, the way that the way that we speak, the way that we relate, the way that we love, and not just those that we like, not just those, not just those that accept us. You heard Reverend Morrow in her prayer, not just when it's easy, but when it's hard, especially when it's hard. We are still called to care. It's important the way that we spend our time and our money. Are we always looking for the cheapest deal, even though that might mean that there's some slave labor that had to make it? Are we careful with our investments, or do we just want to maximize our dollars? Or are we looking to see if exploitation and more colonialism is causing us to get a Oh, and here you're going to say, now, Bishop, you, 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 you've gone from preaching to meddling. The way that we vote, the way that we vote, that privilege that we have, 
that is a private endeavor, right? You go into that booth and nobody can see how you vote. And so are you voting for policies and practices that will support your interests but harm somebody else? Are you voting for things that will make your existence more comfortable but at the expense of someone else? Are you voting for politicians that are antithetical to the or that uphold the word of God? You say, well, you know, I'm in here, nobody can see, nobody knows. God knows. The way that we live reflects upon the one that we say we represent. It is so easy to be drawn into the values of the world over against the values of the kingdom of God, but that is what we are called to do. Called to do it every day. Christ made it clear in his living and in his dying and even in the resurrection. We are to reflect the love of God at all times and in all places with all people. Even as the world disappoints us, even as we are ridiculed and mocked, even as we are tempted to succumb to the powers and principalities of these people, even as those of us who are marginalized people out of glory, we're still called to live out the will and the word of God. We do not get to sit back and say we are perpetual victims and the word of God, the hard word of God is for somebody else. No, it is for us as Beloved, discipleship is not a uniform we wear that can be removed after service or a name tag that goes into a drawer until the next time we're going to enter the house of God. Being a disciple is a way is to be our entire being. There is no time. There is no place. There is no space where we are not disciples. And first and foremost, it means we are called to live as one unified body, bringing healing, hope, and humility to a world full of brokenness, despair, and hubris. And yes, I know people called Methodists. That means that we better stay on our knees as we live through this time of schism. We must confess. That even as we, we believe, even as, what, as we believe that we are standing on righteous indignation, God has called us to oneness, so we have to live in that conundrum. Walter Rauschenbusch, a theologian in the late 19th and early 20th century, stated it this way. Christ's ideal of society involved the abolition abolition of rank and the extinction of those badges which former inequality was encrusted. The only title to greatness was to be distinguished service at cost to self. It costs something to be a of the living God. Rauschenbusch went on to explain that Jesus was not a child of this world. He did not revere the men and women that it called great. He did not accept the customs or social constructs that the world had 
nourished within his soul the idea of a common life so radically different from the present that it involved a reversal of values, a revolutionary displacement of existing relations. This idea a beautiful dream, huh? Not something that will come in the eschaton in the next world. No, Jesus lived this out in his daily life and he dared to believe that it would triumph. He died on the cross because he knew for the present the cross, but beyond the cross, the kingdom of God. Beloved, we know what we need to do. Live so radically different to the ways and values of the world that we stand out as a peculiar people. You say, now wait a minute, Bishop, I've been spending my whole life trying to fit in. Tr tr trying to not, you know, peculiar. No, we are called to be a peculiar people, not for our sake, not for our own aggrandizement, but for the sake of Almighty God. When others look at us and the way that we live our lives, they should be compared. Why are you so different? And that gives us the opportunity to share the word of God with them, to tell them about somebody an everlasting love about somebody who offers perpetual forgiveness about somebody who will sit with us when everybody else has abandoned us this gives us the to tell them about a transforming God that opportunity comes not because we are damning those outside the church to hell or browbeating them into submission but because we have been so loving and so kind and and just and forgiving and welcoming that they are drawn to Christ through us I don't know if anybody else was watching the Preakness stakes yesterday There was a horse, Bodhi Express. He threw his jockey as he was leaving the gate. Jockey just came right off. But that horse stopped running. That horse hung with the other horses in the race. I was sure as they were about to make that corner, I said, oh, he, he, he's going to run off. Nope. He turned that corner. As they got to the straightaway, you know, he's not going to keep pace anymore with those who are running that have jockeys that are leading them and helping them to understand what they were going to do. No, Bodhi Express kept pace. And I thought, well, when they come across the finish line, you know, Bodhi, no, Bodhi Express came across that finish Wasn't the last one. I just want you to understand that. Bodhi Express understood his purpose. Bodhi Express understood what he was prepared to do. Bodhi Express knew, I may not have a jockey, but I understood. And he ran that race. Beloved of God, the disciples were about to see the one who had been with them ascend on high. They could have looked around to the left and to the right and said, well, the one who was guiding us is no longer here, so why don't we just do that? us, but not because they had been taught, not because they had listened, not because they had learned, not because they were faithful. They continued to do the work and the will of God. It cost some of them. Some of them were stoned. They continued to be ostracized.
be cast out, but they were faithful to that which they had been called. We are now the disciples of God. We are the ones who have been called. Whether you look around and you see a jockey or not, you know your job, you know your purpose, you know your... What is it? You know the love of God, you know the forgiveness of God, you know the grace of God. Now you need to go and give it to the world.